Hey guys, what's up? James Newbury here with Maddie Leg. We're sitting down with Nathan from Fitness Cartel on episode 15 of the Fiber Performance Podcast. We're going to be talking about gyms, fitness, business, all the cool stuff. We might talk a little bit about supplements and what we have in the works as well. Um, so what I want to do is just open it up to, to Nath and just give a little bit of intro on what you do and how you got to where you are here at, uh, we're in Bean Lee at the moment at uh, one of the newest locations and man, it is freaking awesome. I just walked out there and I was mind blown with how nice it is and you know what? Top, the top part of this for me was the bathrooms. Bathrooms <laughs> are epic. So, so far so good. Um, Nate, open up, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe um, how you got into the fitness scene. Have you always been into fitness or is it something that is, you know, fresher for you? All right. So, back in my day, <laughs> How old are you, by the way? Uh, 45. Oh, man. Yeah, 45. So, yeah, back in my day. Now, I originally started in real estate. So, real estate, a bit of buying, selling property, um, went into the sales, membership sales. And in that company, I was the number one salesperson in Australia. Actually, in real estate, I was the number two in New South Wales. So, at 23, bought my first house. In 25, I had three houses and then went into um, the fitness industry. And I found out selling a gym membership really easy. Really, yeah, I mean, it's a twenty dollars yeah. membership, and I think that everyone should exercise, whether it's walking, training at a gym, or whatever. Um, then fast forward into my first gym because um, I was really good at sales, so I got offered an opportunity to become an owner. Then a second gym, I owned an ASN store, which is the way Matt originally ASN Coffs Harbour, yeah. ASN Port Macquarie. Uh, then I opened another Genesis Club, so I ended up having uh, three gyms, two sub stores, within the space of two years. Bought into uh, the World Gym chain. I actually, in between that, actually, I bought it into an oxygen fitness club oh, no in Sydney, and the lady um, was stealing money from <laughs> staff and not sure. paying a super and <laughs> um, defrauding the tax department anyway. And went to court with her, and um, she, we actually won court. Actually, funny, yeah. we won court, but she uh, transferred the shares into her daughter's name, so I lost two hundred fifty grand. Oh. Pride learned a lesson that you need a shareholders agreement, yeah. which is what right. I told you the the D head clause. <laughs> if there's an issue, you bring the shareholders agreement out anyway. So. That taught me a valuable lesson, and then I went into the um, the world gym chain with the guys, and we started with three gyms, and ended up at um, almost twenty seven or something. And offered to um, we kind of weren't aligning. Things changed, though, and I'm more fitnessy and stuff too. And we just didn't didn't work out. So um, I offered to buy the guys out. They were looking to retire, and that didn't go well. They voted me out, actually. They just removed me. I think yeah. someone else had a similar circumstance. Booted <laughs> out of their company, and we ended up in court, and I won, um, which is what this cool Perfect. screw you watch. And the, the supercar is my second win. And then um, after that, that pushed us into a corner, and COVID hit, and um, I was sort of um, – I talk about the – being the resilient and, and pushing through. And we opened the first fitness cartel in Aspley. Um, and then we did rebranded Marucci Door, Tweed Heads, and we've got eight clubs now. So in two years, so our club plan is to open 30 by 2027, which is, we're on track. That we're well and truly on track. So that yeah. is super Anyway, that's my short story. Hey, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's freaking wild because I grew up, I love sales as well, and I think in another life, if I wasn't into fitness, it would be real estate. That's what I, you know, anyone that asked me said, if you weren't doing the whole fitness thing, what you would you be doing? And I said, I'd probably be a real estate agent, to be honest, because I just enjoy chatting with people, meeting people, getting to know them, and, you know, making them feel, making them trust me, but also making them feel comfortable all the time. And then I got into, I was an, an MC at Fitness First up in, uh, where was I, Ch uh, Carindale. Yep. So that was my first MC job. Then I actually got a job doing MC for Genesis in Adelaide. That was me, MC Genesis, yeah. Yeah, no way. That was well, that was what I did too. What's MC? Membership consultant. Oh, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Lingo. So that was yeah. So that was like that was yeah. an experience for me too. So then I went from that and ended up doing like ended up doing insulation and some other sales jobs, and I really enjoyed it. It was like cold knocking doors and trying to get people to buy insulation. So I had a bit of an like exposure there, so I, I can totally see where you're coming from and then I ended up getting into the gym over my own CrossFit gym um, and kind of went from there but that's a really that's a really cool story because it looks like you've gone through ebbs and flows of crushing it and feeling real good and then you know the you know going below baseline and then feeling like, holy shit this is this is pretty hectic this is 
You mean when I was crying on my exercise bike in the spare room? Going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the other time when I was crying walking to Coles and I had every single shelf of ice cream. And yeah. And I realized I'm an emotional eater. It's probably not time to. <laughs> I did. I ate every single line. And I was like, yeah, and you wow. started to get fat and you go, oh, I wrecked everything. But yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I, can only, I can only take that and, and try and digest that in, in, a, in an athlete point of view. But for you, when things kind of hit the fan and you're trying to bring yourself, literally drag yourself out of the shit. What, like, what types of things have you, you know, fallen back on to try and be like, you know, everything will be, have you always thought everything will be fine or you're just like, shit, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Is it, is it a time thing? Is it an experience or is it the people around you that have helped? Or is it just, you know, I'm just not going to give the fuck up attitude. Not give up the fuck attitude firstly, mm -hmm. then finding the people with the experience to get the advice so you get clarity. Because when you get clarity and you know something, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and that's by finding the people, and that's in any business. If you can find someone that's done it successfully, like your sport, mm. like if I'm going to do your stuff, so I'm coming to you, mm. I'm going to ask you, and you're going to tell me, and I can see you're doing it. Like, oh, well, it's achievable, right? Good. So yeah, that's that's partly, and then um, probably the big thing for me too is when you're backed into a corner and everything's taking from you, you're like, well, you're either going to roll over or you're going to fight. Absolutely, yeah. and absolutely, yeah. That is yeah. that's super interesting. I find, I find for me when I was first getting into the the gym side of things and it was a CrossFit gym back in the day, found a place um, to train out of in Sydney and the guy who was running the gym, he had been there since the beginning, OG, owner of a CrossFit gym. Um, he'd worked at, you know, he'd done PT, membership sales and stuff at Fitness First in Sydney down in Cronulla somewhere. Um, but he would tell me over the course of that 12 months of me working there, he gave me basically like a cheat sheet of all the things not to do. And I was literally just like, okay, when I opened my own gym, I'm still I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to get everything right. I'm not going to tick all the boxes immediately, but I'm just not going to make these ones as well. Yeah. So if I go back and make all those fucking mistakes too at the same time, I'm just like, I'm, I'm an idiot. Yeah. So the idea was to go in, not make those mistakes, make some of my own and then learn from that. And then if someone comes to me and asks for advice, always be willing to help and give a bit yeah. of advice too. Yeah. And taking that advice too, one of the things, like we're saying, like we, we had some similar similarities with some of our experiences. You know, you go through that phase where you're like, you might be turning up to a place that you built, that you made, that you know, and everyone there is kind of like paying their bills, they've had mortgages, everything because everything that you've worked on, and all of a sudden you're turning up to this place where you just simply do not feel welcome. Mm. Um, along with that comes with a lot of gaslighting and like other narcissistic traits where these people, you know, make you feel like you're paranoid or crazy yeah. and that sort of stuff. And then eventually when stuff goes a bit pear-shaped and breaks and the whole house of cards comes falling down, once you learn, and when, you know, talking to people like you, talking to other professionals and other friends and that sort of stuff, and you start to see the little patterns and the tricks, then you learn little things because you're never going to go through that same mistakes again. The shareholder agreement, the, dick <laughs> the dickhead clause, the no dickhead clause, um, those sort of things are little tips that you taught me. But like you're saying, once you see these patterns, it makes it so much easier to avoid them again if you're capable of learning from your experiences and moving forward. And that's what you talk about with resilience. Yeah. Like all these things are ways of building resilience. I think I'll add to that, Matt, because what you talk with the what we talk about the shareholders agreement anyway, yeah. in the meeting, is that if you're going into a business with somebody and everything's good and it's fantastic and you've got this idea and you can't agree with what it looks like to leave now, then don't go into business with them. Because mm -hmm. when things aren't going well and maybe that person's not at work when they said they would or the money's not coming in, it's not a happy relationship. It's yeah. not a, you can't, if you can't talk now when you're happy, you certainly like, try and have an argument with an angry woman. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. No, no. Yeah. no I, I totally, I totally can um, uh, relate to that. Um, I've, like, I've had a crack at a few econ businesses before and, and luckily most of those were just solo. So I got to experience what it was like just to do some things solo. I've had other businesses like with my gym where I've had business partners as well at the same time. And I think navigating different styles of business and um, I guess being in real estate, you know, doing MC work, then having supplement stores and now doing um, gyms and franchising a gym and it growing so rapidly as a business owner who's very successful like yourself, how have you found, what's been what's been one of the ways that you've navigated, like we're in a growth phase at the moment with fiber and we're trying to navigate, you know, forecasting out how the, you know, you talked about just before we jumped on, um, you know, that trajectory starts to increase, but getting past the sticky point where Maddie and I are also discussing this in the car is like, it's like 
we don't want our marketing to be so far above what our stock is, but we need our stock to kind of meet that. So they're almost going to go tit for tat along the way. When you're navigating like a uh, a plan for 2027 to be at 30 locations, um, what sort of things do you have to take into consideration? Is it like is it just num is it just sheer numbers of clients attending your gym, or is it a, a multitude of other things for you that you're looking at? Um, or interest, you know, from the outside looking in is like, yeah, I might like to take a franchise at Fitness Cartel. Um, are you looking for a, a multitude of things or is it um, just one thing in particular, just revenue, just gross revenue? Okay. Good questions. Really good question. I think firstly, um, cash flow yep. in any business because if you've got cash flow, not, I'm not talking about um, you know, people jump on and go, oh, I've got a $40 million revenue which and they're not making any profit. That's Yeah, that's insanity. That's not real. But cash flow, like working out the cash flow and then, I mean, and one of the things I've talked about in my videos before is like the Nike tick, like the swoosh. Yeah. It's called the J curve. And as the as you go at the start of the Nike tick and it goes in, that's the energy and time it takes to get into the business. Yeah. And then as you're under, if you can imagine a line through the middle, the trajectory actually start to come up. Sometimes though, and most likely, that you're underwater for a lot longer than what you realize. Yeah. Maybe your suppliers, that hasn't come across. But um, to answer your question on the marketing, market the shit out of it and sell as much as you possibly can and then you'll find a way to find it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we've got... We've got cool. I like that. millions of dollars worth of millions and millions of dollars worth of gyms to open, mm. and I haven't had that just sitting in my bank. Yeah. But Tony Robbins talks about being resourceful rather than having resources. Oh, I haven't got the money. Yeah. We all yeah. haven't got the money. Yeah. Most billionaires didn't have billions before, did they? Mm. Yeah. They became billionaires because they became resourceful. Yeah, yeah. I, love that. yeah. I love that a lot. Yeah. Like, I think that is that that speaks to me very truly because in any situation um, that I've been in over the last say ten years like having the gym, having a second location as well, and then trying to navigate being an athlete at the same time. Uh, Any time that we came into a situation where I was like, you know, I really want to do this thing. I want to push the trigger. I want to pull the trigger on this new venture or this new thing. Somehow you just put it out there to the world and you will find really alternative ways just to make it happen. And I feel like if you put yourself in that situation, you need... 50 grand for a startup or you need 20 grand for this or you need something for that to get where you want to get to you'll figure it out you yeah. if you're if you've got that type of mind i think that entrepreneurial mind will get you there you'll speak to the right people and you'll put yourself out there and it kind of i don't know you bring it in from the universe somehow well you're probably getting the back end because of your marketing as well yeah like, well, you're capable you're, of marketing build the story if you throw money my first gym i opened with 27 grand and to, a year later, I'm making 200 grand. It's funny. I opened my first gym with 27 grand. Too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. I need 27 and grand in the gym. And I had to, <laughs> and I had to, and I had to borrow. And I had to borrow 12 of that from someone. But oh, yeah. it was 27 grand. That's yeah. what I started with. Yeah, it's a 27 club. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> shit. Hope it works out better for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we talk about the resourceful stuff and the and, and the athlete mindset as well, when you turn up and you compete in any type of athletic sport, you don't just randomly. I, mean, you, I know you do turn up to random things, Sometimes. but but you've you've obviously trained and prepared, and there's a planning that goes into it. Mm-hmm. It's just, the thing that I find quite um, interesting is I've met pro elite bodybuilders. In fact, one of Australia's top bodybuilders I was working with before, and he is broke. Mm-hmm. He had no plan financially, and that, but he couldn't apply the same acumen to training to business. Yeah. That discipline to business, like to become at your level of, of sport. It didn't have waxing and go, oh, I'm just happy to be a champion. And you don't turn up and go, oh, I'm going to go in this race with no training because you get flogged. Yeah. But if you go into the mindset with that in business and apply the same principles, like it's a battle. Yeah. It's mm. a battle. It's a CrossFit battle when we're battling. Mm. And, and you've got to be fitter, stronger, and you've got to have a better mindset than competition you win. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And when they're resting, you work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that speaks to me a lot too because I do know that um, I've been asked a question a few times in the last few weeks, jumping in on different podcasts and, and having a chat about what type of characteristics as an athlete have I tried to transition across into business. And for CrossFit, it was literally just outworking everybody else. I had to outwork them. Like I wasn't, yes, I had some natural talent. And I think anyone at the CrossFit Games has some natural talent. Some people left more than others, some people less than others. But then when it gets to the point where push comes to shove and you need to actually just kick it into gear and be like, you know what, I'm going to be the one that's still in the gym at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night when all my friends are out. I will be that person. I'm going to be the person who's up first thing on Sunday morning as well. I'm going to be that person. And I thrive in that. I love that element. I love that realm. I love being the one that's be like, you know what, I'll just work more than you and good luck kicking up. Because if I, if I can do that and I can be resilient in that respect, being an athlete, I feel like I'm so fired up and I've got a fire in my belly to do it in business too that it's going to 
serve me well. I may not know everything, but I'll try really hard to figure it out and, and navigate the path of least resistance. And sometimes we'll get to a roadblock and go around and figure it out. Oh, yeah. way. They're just challenges. We haven't got enough obstacle. That's yeah. exactly that's my mindset. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to outwork everyone. <clears throat> and same thing. And I always believe that everyone's beating me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're right behind me. Yeah. My mum used to say, someone's going to come off and chop you from under your feet. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love first. Yeah. But if you if you look at the other thing as far as work ethic, if you are a person that gets up and works from five, trains, whatever does your training, and you work all day, instead of stopping for lunch, you're eating it while you're working, so you're not wasting a whole hour. Mm-hmm. Instead of leaving at 5 p.m., you're like working till 7 or 8 p.m., and you're putting in full 12, 14-hour days, and then on Saturdays you're working, you might have a little rest time on Sunday, you are, you're actually almost six weeks ahead of everyone, straight away, yeah. every time. And then if you multiply that, I'm, I've got you by four months. Yeah. Yeah. I've got you by four months. Yeah. And then if I've got that and I'm investing it into business, mm. that four months in 10 years, I'm miles and you never catch it. Because I'll, I'll put it in, it's compound, and it just keeps flowing. You're like, oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, I'm so lucky that I was working while you were sleeping and partying and yeah. carrying on. That's so funny. I, I do, we have relate, related that before to um, even our warm-up situations when we train. So it got to the point when we would, you know, we'd go through phases of training. Typically, you'd have an off-season when you try and get more strong, a little bit less conditioned. Then you'll go through a phase where you get more conditioned for the Open. Then you'll get conditioned for a different type of time frame for nationals. And then you get conditioned for a different type of endurance for the games because it requires such different uh, energy systems and you know you need to be so endured for the CrossFit Games it's a four day competition and you're getting flogged every day from start to finish and you can't really leave to go and chill somewhere you're just getting rammed so you got to train slightly different but then when we start to hit these different phases as where you know we're doing our warm up for instance people would do a generic warm up it'd be you know just some maybe some dynamic stuff they'll do some hip openers they'll do some shoulder openers a lot of people started introducing actually you know a miniature cardiovascular workout to start the session for 15 minutes so you're already a 15 minute workout ahead of the rest before you've even started your session yet and that was getting introduced a lot and you saw a big shift from 2013 through to 2015 of people just be like leagues ahead in terms of fitness come game days because they've done you know for say half the year so you know roughly 170 odd days 180 odd days they've been getting one session fitter every time that yeah. they get started in their training and they're training double days they're doing ams and pms five days a week you're like you're a few hundred conditioning sessions ahead of them and you're just like holy shit does that up this is um this is in atomic habits there's a really cool book called yeah. atomic habits and it's about that one that one that extra one yeah. one it's 27.77 percent better or something whatever it is yeah James Clear. Yeah, James Clear is yeah. fantastic. He talks about that habit of that little that little bit of extra workout or yep. for mine, we were doing, we're doing a lot of um, uh, Muay Thai and yeah. training. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to do three rounds. Love it. Three rounds of three. That's just my, even if I'm not feeling like doing it, three rounds of three. And you, that gradually, you're like, your level starts going up. Yeah. And then your baseline. Your baseline just sits slightly higher constantly. You're just always a little bit more sharp and ready to go. See, the other thing though, balance, the thing, so... Yeah, James, you're an elite athlete and that sort of stuff, but you don't have the wife, the kids and all that sort of stuff. You can commit to the sport and commit to this. Helps. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. To a degree. To sometimes, you know, like maybe you want cuddles sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, but you do the family stuff as well. So you've managed, you're fit, you're healthy. Like a lot of people that go and buy a gym or something like that, all of a sudden stop training. Um, and then all of a sudden they lose a family. So one thing I've also noticed every time I'm speaking to you, you're fit, you're healthy and you're happy. Well, you pretend to have you. I don't know what's I'm happening. Right. Really. Um, but then you've also got the family around. There's always the family element. So how do you, do you get the fact that you're doing the gym stuff? Because that's part of your lifestyle. But is that how you manage to do that balance? You bring the family into the work sort of stuff, or <laughs> yeah, I'm or is fascinated it, by that. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about balance. Yeah. Which yeah. is not real. Like, yeah. Not, there's no. If you're going to business, the first thing you have to understand is there's no balance. Like, it's yeah. not the balance is to understand awareness. It really is. It's being aware that. For a long period of time, yeah, you've got to be aware. But you've also that comes down to being having a good open relationship with your family and your partner, and saying, "Look, I'm going to be working 14 hours a day." Yeah. But if if they're not aligned with you, you need to kind of say, "Go breaking up with all your partners." But yeah, if if your partner's not aligned with what you're trying to achieve, because yeah. it's all cool, your partner might be going, "Oh, we want to own this mansion, we want all this stuff," but 
Yeah. Oh, but I want you working nine to five. Mm. Yeah. I want to be a super CrossFit ex pro, but look, I only want you to go to the gym twice. No, I don't want you working weekends and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. firstly, alignment with your partner. Yeah. And then also your family and seeing aware because um, my kids know what I'm trying to achieve for them. Like it's, yeah. I don't want them to go through the poverty. Yeah. stuff that we had and, and see those things that have, I mean, I want them to have their challenges, but it's not unnecessary. Yeah. There should be no reason I can't pass on some wealth and the brains and mindset for my children so they can have a better life. Because you're here for this short period of time. Yeah. We don't want to be like, if you could have a startup, like a bit more of a startup and you can pass on that stuff, then you should be. Yeah, not the cheat codes, man. That whole thing <laughs> yeah. of, that whole like you, I did it hard, you got to do it harder because that's what builds resilience. I talk makes you a real man or something like that. Look at that. If well, I can give someone a hand up, I will. Just mow your lawn without a mower, then use a push one if everyone's like that and yeah. start from, we'll yeah. wash our things because that's how we did yeah. in the old days. So come on, move on. Yeah, yeah that's, move on. that's cool. Like I, I like the idea of, that, that was the th one of the things that I had to learn quick smart when I wanted to be, you know, go from just say a, a, a national level athlete to a world level athlete was understanding that I'll probably be misunderstood by Pretty well, everybody with what I'm doing, no one's going to be like, "Oh, surely you can just take a day off." No, sorry, can't take a day, can't take yeah. a session, can't yeah. take a set, can't take a rep. Well, even no. a late night. I mean, you're pretty religious with the way you go to sleep yeah. at certain times time. and that sort of stuff. Every day, and for a lot of people, like the people that are closest, to, I feel like you probably do the same thing. Um, I get the get the feeling is that you have a, a great support network around you to help do what you want to do, and they, you, you. You support them; they support you. It's a it's a it's a two way road. It's not a one way road. Otherwise, you probably run into some roadblocks. But I found that I had to be understand that there's a, a handful of close people, including my family, around me that will support me what I'm doing, and the rest of the people probably won't get it. And that's cool. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to get caught up on it and sit there and cry about it. I'm just going to get on with the work and get it done. But then also understanding that um, uh, when you do want to take on such a you know a um, a big task, whether it's, you know, setting up a business going to be worth this amount of money or you want to, you know, grow to this size company or you want to go and, you know, be the best, um, you know, you want to be world champion Muay Thai kickboxer or, you know, CrossFit champion, whatever it may be, that along that path, a lot of people ask me, what's like the secret? And I said, oh, well, consistency is one of the huge Ooh, yeah. consistency, yeah, yeah. daily basis every day, doing the um, chop wood carry water, yeah. do the basics every day. What are the foundations of setting up? A beautiful day. What does a beautiful day look like for me? What fires me up? And you obviously take care of yourself, and you're healthy, and you're you're alert, and you're switched on. Do you find that building in a, a a healthy foundation of a fitness health routine, eating well, allows you to excel at a 14-hour workday as well? Is that something that you keep in check? Oh, it's essential. Like, absolutely essential. It's like trying to run a, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini on mole fuel. Yeah. Like as far and when I'm talking mole fuel, that's the people that are around you. Like if they're throwing shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not, I mean, that's the sphere of influence. And, you know, the, the five people you hang around. So, I mean, firstly, making sure you're aligning yourself with people that are, are commonly, are common goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're with a group of people in, in athletes, then it's, I mean, it's normal. Walking along jacked and eating protein shakes, and that's my Thailand trip. Yeah. Where you go into the other part, and everyone's like wasted and lying around the beach, and they're looking at me, going, look, at, look at these guys, and they're like, but they don't want to be like us. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to put the work in like us. And same when you see, you might see someone driving along and you see the person in a nice supercar and you go, oh, certainly not me, I'm, I'm happy for them. And you go, oh, what a wanker. And you go, hang on, what did that person do to get that? Because they clearly just didn't get it given to them. But yeah, so back on track, the, as far as the sleep essential, that's something I'm, I'm focusing and working on now. I've got my whoop watch as well, yeah, nice. I track it. Um, sleep, the habits of sleeping, just trying to get better sleep. Um, Yes, nutrition, absolutely, which is why we're going to have a chat about your protein later too because I want yeah. to put that into our clubs. And, I mean, a good, healthy diet. But it, that comes down to your habits and going, okay, yeah. just, every single day we do the same thing. Mm. Like you brush your teeth the same way, everything's very similar. Mm. So if you just change those one mm. bits and pieces of the day and then add up and then over time you're like, I mean, you get to a position where you don't actually have to go to work. Mm. But you kind of go, well, and then the dopamine kicks in because when it's something you don't have to do, then you go, well, I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. You hit the nail on the head there. For yeah, sure. yeah. So that, like that is, those, um, I, I, one of the things, so when I talk about consistency with the young fellas that are coming through that want to be the next, you know, Matt Fraser, Rich Froning, whoever they are, they roll through and it's like, just give me a couple of pieces of advice. What are some things? I was like, mate, 
number one, be consistent, be in the gym, get, if you want to be the best athlete you possibly can be in the gym, be consistent, um, build a beautiful network of people around you, start doing, and this goes for anything. I, I feel like this crosses over in so many different aspects of life, whether it's relationships with, you know, your family, relationships with your loved one, relationships with your kids, business, ath athletics, whatever it is. Um, I feel like if you are the person that can do the basics, the basics really, really well, and you do them on a consistent basis, that's 98% of the work. Those one percenters, yes, they are fantastic at the end of the day, and they're the insurance policy icing on the cake. But the, if you do those basics really well, and you hone them, jam them down home, and every day I'm just going to do my chop wood carry water style method every day, regardless of the fancy stuff around the outside, you'll be probably one of the best in the world at whatever you do, likely. you likely if you can just be consistent on the basics and crush them every day. It's funny you mentioned, because that's, that's in that book, High Performance Habits. Mm. And he talks about that when they did the study of all the best high performance athletes all over the world, the number one thing that they said was the person that can maintain doing the most boring stuff consistently is the winner. Yeah. And that's what it is doing that because the other stuff's cool and all the cool moves, but mm. chop wood, carry water, I'm taking that. Yeah, take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's a fantastic, easy read book for a lot of people that want to get out. Chop wood, carry water is a fantastic book. But that those basic easy habits, like I'm finding that at the moment, like me and Maddie, we're a, a, a two man band at the moment with, um, you know, a couple of people helping us out doing some very, very techie things that we can't do. But at the moment, we're kind of doing. It's like it feels like Groundhog Day almost, but we know it's necessary for now to land a fountain. Yeah. Set the foundation, and it's like I said to myself, I'm going to be so consistent. I'm going to post to the Instagram every day. That's what I'm going to do. That's like that's one of the con conditions is my consistency is like I'm just going to post to the Instagram every day. I'm going to make sure we're churning out good content every day and trying to figure out what those basic things are to to grow into a successful, educational, and profitable supplement business at the end of the day. Figuring out okay, what are the basics here? Because I've done that with fitness. Yep. What are the basics here with the business side of things for this type of business? And what are they, what's, where's the carryover? And okay, how can we make sure that our basics are covered on a regular basis? And I think identifying what those are, and that's like talking to people like yourself, finding out what they are for a lot of people, they just don't know. So many times, you probably get this all the time too, and Maddie, you probably get this with you know formulating supplements, is that, People will reach out and say, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't have any good ideas. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got the ideas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to turn it into a business. Yeah, it's like turning that. Yeah. So then that's like an like a maybe a type of brain that yeah. kind of comes about. But so many people are like, hey, I don't have the ideas. Or some people say, hey, I've got the systems. Yeah. can do it. I just don't have the ideas or, or vice versa. It's figuring out kind of where you sit in that mix and then maybe finding someone who you can bounce off that balances you out there. That's where that teamwork's so good. Like, so, for example, someone like me, I might appear to be very extroverted in that, but I'm really quite introverted. I'm not salesy. I don't like going out there. I like to invent and do things. So for me to build something, I need to be part of a team. Yeah. And even when I'm formulating, the, the formula is a team. Like everything is done synergistically. So when I formulate, it's formulated through a mind map where I list off the strengths and the weaknesses of each one of these ingredients. And then I'll create like the dream team that will become the formula. Yeah, cool. And so that same analogy goes through to the business because if you don't have that right team of people around you, if you basically got five ingredients that are all capable of doing the same thing, that's pretty pointless formula. Yep. You know, you're better off having one of them in the right dose rather than having five of them diluting that. Um, where if we can then get synergy within the team where you're adding things where one plus one is three and then it just builds from there, mm -hmm. that's how you get a product that works really well. Mm -hmm. And that's the same so with the gym situation, some people are like, you know, they like to, uh, solo sports and they like to do that, be the boss of a the boss of everything mm. and own everything. And then other people realize that the synergy of a team is significantly mm. better. So that team involves your family and that. But so with your franchises, you always talk up your team big time and you put in a lot of effort to pick the right people to go into business with. Yeah, and we, we generally, we're not really franchising. Yeah. The clubs we own, most yeah. of them. Yeah. The idea, and our franchise are partners, like we call yeah. partners. So because the goal is not to franchise clubs, and but because we've had, because of grant brands growing so fast, we've got a lot of people wanting to franchise. Yeah, right. And, um, and I mean, it, grow, it makes the company grow, but you've got to, it's like marrying someone. You've got to pick the right partner and get them in and make sure it all works. Yeah. Um, that part, back when you're talking about the, um, 
as far as the team and stuff as well, like in and the picking the right people and stuff that you're not good at. It's, it's really important that when you go into partnership or you're doing something, working out what people's strengths are. Yeah. Because if Maddie's sucks on the phone, yeah, and he's not the person to call. That's if you're really good at making calls, yeah. um, he probably wouldn't ask for a sale. Mm. Where I'd be like, okay, let's oh, get you started. Bad. Let's get you started. And <laughs> I'd be walking out. No, that. <laughs> I'd be trying to get get them to um, make the sale. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, when they do, I mean, you know, it's, when you're a membership consultant, you say, oh, right, let's get you started. And you pause and you don't talk. Yeah. Because whoever talks first loses. Yeah. And yeah. Like, mm, well, I remember okay. that. Yep. Yeah. Is there anything from stopping you from poaching our product? Yeah. And then you pause again. How much are you prepared to spend on your health and fitness yeah. this week? Is it $25? Yeah, sure, great. Perfect. Yeah. It's right into this part. Just here. <laughs> so chop wood, wow. carry water is in for you guys in, in, in contact, getting your contacts and making contact with those people and building building the database like I did. So as soon as I was like booted out, I was like, oh, bugger, I've got to start again. But I didn't start again because mm. I already had the skill set like you've got mm. to make calls and contact people and the contacts you've got because everyone knows you. Yeah. And <laughs> we trust you and like you. You did yeah. seminars. In my, so when you called me and said we're doing, oh, yeah, well, no worries. What are we doing? Yeah, right. Because I know the product, yeah. so everyone knows Maddie already, and you're obviously a high profile in, in no sales. So it's like, okay, you do the calls, and I've only this is two seconds. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this works. Yeah, yeah. this works. This chop wood, carry water. How many calls we're we doing? How many yeah. contacts? And hundred percent. Keep it going. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a momentum builder, and and what we're what we're finding now, like this is my, we talk about this all the time. This is my first rodeo in the in the supplement game, but it's something that's been so intriguing to me for such a long time. Getting into sport as a junior. Um, a, a lot of the stuff that I picked up along the way, and you probably noticed this as well, like we we're talking about with kids and what you want to do with your kids and how you're, you know, the way that you groom them on the way up is like you, to the point you want to almost be mirroring what they are going to be experiencing to give them the best chance when they're your age. You want to be mirroring that. You like you don't want to tell them everything's blah da and easy. You want to give them some realistic tangible stuff so when they do get out into the real world they are not shocked by what they face you want to give them the skills and how you give them those skills is probably like i'm not a dad maybe one day who knows um but you want to give them those skills and have them prepared so you can not only maybe pass on some generational wealth at the end of the day but also what's up here is probably more important it's like if you could if you could let's just say you built a business worth 200 million dollars and you were 90 years old and you could trade that $200 million, either you know trade it or go back to your 20 years old with all the knowledge that you had, you have my guarantee you'd probably oh, go back sure. and go back to 20 and do yeah. it all again, you know? So I feel like um, when I was younger, luckily enough, like we were not a, a rich family by any means, we were like on the lower end of that spectrum mm -hmm. right there. And so, but the things that I picked up um, from my daddy, like he taught me, I'm starting to think about it more and more as I get older, which is fascinating to find out. But he taught me at maybe like 12 or 13 years old when I was getting into sport and trying to take it seriously. He's like, mate, you're quite talented at a few things here and there. Like whatever you decide to train for, you'll probably be okay at. So, but you have to be self-motivated to do that work. Like anytime I ask my dad, can you make me train? Can you make me do this? He's like, no, but if you want me to be there, help you measure out your 400 meter track, help you measure out your thing, help you set up the high jump, um, the high jump tester. If you want me to get you a shot put, I'll do it, sure. And you know, those types of things alongside, you know, a bit of delayed gratification, you might not win this state one this time, you know, came fourth, didn't get on the podium, devastated. But mm -hmm. if you train next time, it'll be worthwhile next time. And that's what I've taken into the CrossFit space for so long is it took me nine years to get the place that I was satisfied with. Didn't happen. I didn't qualify for the games until my fifth year of having a crack. And then I didn't get the place I wanted at the Worlds and took four more years down the track. Yeah. And it was like at the point where I thought my career was done, it only just begun. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. That delayed gratification, like it was a 10 year, it was a 10 year cycle, but I thought, you know, Cinderella stories you wanted in two years doesn't yeah. happen. But you've got to love it then. Yeah. Like oh, I look yeah. at John Eels and Michael Jordan, you hear all those stories of guys that couldn't make their high school teams that become the greatest athletes in their chosen <laughs> sport, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was just through consistency and commitment. And obviously they just loved it. That, what you're talking about is exactly where, where I'm in business. That's exactly where we're in a business. All the trialing and trying and missing and challenges and Cars getting lit on fire, and yeah. that's another story. <laughs> yeah. That was the day I rebranded two of my gyms, and that was some. My car got lit on fire in my driveway. Oh shit! It was all over. Tesla on fire. Like oh no! Insane. 
The McLaren had dog written on the bonnet. It was like, oh, shit. talk about a challenge. That's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That just pissed me off. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, now I'm gonna fight up. Now I'm gonna show you. Yeah. So yeah. One of my mates said he's special forces. He goes, so what they've done is they've told, they've interpreted, um, brought, stolen from you, prodded you, attacked you, tortured you, and he said then they've let you free. And then the yeah. guy awarded me some money. And I'm like. Eh. So now I'm armed and dangerous. Yeah. Anyway, that's great. Well, well, I'm motivating, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you can either take it as a, all right, I'm going to sit down, sit back, and, and do nothing and just nothing. Yeah. Or you can be like, I'm not going to roll over. That's yeah. it. Like, you, what's your, what's your, what are your options here? Like, put them on the table. What are my options? Yeah. And then it's cool you ended up with some money to go start again. But I mean, even without that, you would have had all that knowledge, all that motivation, drive, and extra skill set that you could have utilized to do it all again. And it wasn't, it didn't end up being about the money at the end of it. It was really about the thing. One of the things that I said, I, I mean, it's for my children, seeing what I was going through, and I, and I videoed, I video recorded all the way along. So I've got some videos of me talking out where we're at, what was happening, mediation at courts. It was more of me to show my kids what resilience is because we were running a seminar when I used to own the World Gym Maruchidor. It was um, called Mindset, Motivation and Money. One of the courses I run, my son was um, this a few years ago and I had a, a Mercedes at the front with world number plates. I was getting sued by my partners for running a seminar in my gym using the World Gym name. I'm like, I still own the gym. My, while in, I'm in that seminar, I, I was a bit sick. I was getting a cold. Anyway, I walked out of the seminar. I've got a little son called Xander and the club manager go, and one of the kids, Xander was in Newcastle and I'm at Bridgeshaw. And the man, and I, one of the kids at school, they were in a car accident and the car like lit on fire and the whole family died. So I had this thing in my mindset and I walked in the club manager goes, Nathan, I need you to come into my office. And I was like, shit, what happened to Xander? I had Jonathan with me and Jonathan was dressed exactly like me. And it was, it's a cool story now to tell. Anyway, I've gone in and she goes, can you sit down? I said, no, I'm not fucking sitting down. Tell me, is Xander okay? And she said, yeah, Xander's okay. They've towed your car away. And I went, what? So the bike's partners towed the car in front of my gym away, which I owned with because I was because they, they booted me off and had all our hotel key, car keys, everything he's placed Nintendo Switch. And he's, he started to get upset and he goes, Dad, my Nintendo Switch. I said, Look, I want you to think about this. A second ago, I thought it was Xander. And yeah. I said, Car or Xander? I said, We've got a new car. Yeah. And we bought a Tesla a few days later and some bugger stole my car. So I bought a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Someone lit on fire later on, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, that's like, that's like flipping the switch. And I feel like that is, I feel like that is a really cool way to like, you're def not deflecting, you're, you're shouldering these little things that you're going to run, run into along the way. And this can be in anything. And I think this is what, people that rise to the top end up doing is they anything any type of any type of conflict that comes about any type of negativity that comes about you figure out really good ways how to combat them and I think over the course of time you build this toolkit of really cool techniques and traits and people to talk to and people to bounce off or just things in the arsenal that you have in here that you can be like you know what doesn't look good right now but you know what what I've actually learned from Maddie in the last probably six months more than anything is you know it's not good it's not bad. It's a thing, you know. We just keep pushing yeah. through. It's all energy, and it's just no kind of, good news or bad. News, yeah, it's just, just news. It's just news. I just wanted to be real. Yeah, it's just news, <laughs> and it's just what's next, yeah. and what's next for us, and what's the next move for us. And I think that's probably what you, what I've in the very short time that we've been talking, that I'm starting to understand that you're probably very good at dealing with conflict and things that roadblocks but they're just roadblocks they'll get moved you can move them Obstacles, and how yeah. do you freaking move them and they're not you like this is the other thing too is when you start to understand a little bit about that the gaslighting the narcissistic behavior and then you start understanding egos versus soul and stuff like that and all of a sudden you're just like and these people are just projecting this is not about me this is about them you know, and then all of a sudden you just can take a step back and you stop taking things personally. Like there was a phase where I was going, oh, milk's a bad choice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sleeping in the car on the window. But yeah, and then later on you say, hey, why am I the dude doing this? Yeah. You know, why am I the guy feeling I should end it all and stuff like that when I've got all this really cool stuff to do and all this knowledge and stuff to share and things I can help. Mm. Then all of a sudden you just go, hang on. Yeah, whatever. I've got some good stuff about me. I've got some bad stuff about me. But there's just things about everyone. And I'm prepared to really back myself on the way I can make a good impact in the world. And for me, making an impact in the world is designing formulas and providing education around concepts, sharing information. 
you building these sort of safe places for people to come and work at where they don't feel obligated to be doing courses of steroids for six months training somewhere else before they feel okay to walk into your gym, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I love the vibe that you create in these places where people feel like it's theirs. And you know? how, that's, that's super interesting. I was going to touch on, but this kind of leads into that really, really well, is that I feel like a lot of people do ask as well is, you know, some tricks of the trade or they're looking for the magic pill or, you know, the, the one thing that's going to set them apart and be better than the rest. And I really do believe there was a time where I didn't want to compete anymore and I took myself out of the environment that I was in, put myself in a different environment. I went up and trained with the fittest woman on earth and her coach, which is also her husband. And I really believe that you definitely become a product of your environment, people that you hang around. Do you feel like there has been a correlation with the people that, you know, you know, when things are going well, you're around people that bring you up, you're around people that heighten your, your level. But if, like we always talk about, if you're the smartest, yeah. person, smartest person in the room, probably in the wrong room, we want to need to find people that are going to bring us up or people that are either more successful yeah. or fitter than us. I know. It for feels a- like a radio station. Like for me, it's like a frequency. It's like there's certain people I know that sit on a frequency and then there's another frequency. If I change the station, there's certain people on that station that are talking to me positively excited <laughs> and fired up. And then it's like another station I go to if I just want to be brought down. Yeah, and like that's that, true. that is true. It's though. almost like a frequency, and I can feel the frequency at the different people, you know? Yeah. It's funny you say that because when I was going through all my stuff too, and I was talking to psychologists and just to try and get, because I, I went through like an anxiety stuff that I was insane. Like I, was, I actually thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. I'm driving along and I was sweating. I thought I had to pull over the side of the road, and I've never experienced it before. And it was an, like I thought I'm having a heart attack. And it was, um, and we talked about frequencies and the people you hang around and things that like you can. If you're starting to get in an environment and these things and, and you walk away and you're feeling bad, like if you're in a relationship and somebody's beating you up, you leave the relationship. And if you keep going back, then really it's a, it's, it's on you. Not, yeah. not, a, not saying that you should be you know, it's a beating anyone up. But if you keep going back, like hitting yourself with a hammer on the hand, mm. you're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're going into an environment where people are hitting you and tapping you down and tapping you down, just be aware of those people. It might even be your family members. And, and yeah. I know people that have had to just... Like so, I just don't hang around with them. Cut them off. Yeah, they do bring you around, and then there's people that you you find, and they're just like nothing's going to stop them. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, like they're the people you you want to hang around with. And yeah. in terms of the people that you want to hang around with, you find that um, Maddie just touched on this as well. You've obviously produced um, and reproduced again, which is sometimes a very hard thing. Is um, an environment in the gym where people feel welcome. They want to be around. They want to be here. They like the community. They like. The greeting at the door, they like the staff, they like the environment, the atmosphere. The bathrooms. The bloody bathrooms. <laughs> so how have you found trying to design or what types of things did you want to try and put into play when, you know, putting together your first fitness cartel location? Like what was the what was the what was the recipe, the ingredients, the all the herbs and spices that go into making that like is that something that you liked or is it something that you had feedback as like okay we need to make it more like this well feedback a lot of feedback feedback's yep. essential yep. especially from good constructive feedback also looking at um i mean who's your target market who's your customer or who's your pat we call me a pat what's your pat look like yep. Yep. what are they like what's their age how, how they feel um and particularly even when you walk into our clubs the crèche is on the left i've got children the first thing I get to a gym, if I've got a children, I might throw them in, yeah. not throw them in, but yeah, yeah, put yeah, them yeah. into the crèche. Yeah. So that's on the left, closest to the door. So parents can drop in because they don't want to be walking through a gym with kids. Yeah. They're insane. They'll be trying to jump on things. Yeah, yeah. And then like like the airport, you're walking through, you've got the ladies' apparel closest to the crèche because it's generally women a lot of the time looking after the children. Yeah. Group fitness, a lot of ladies don't want to walk through the main gym floor. They don't want to go there. So you kind of go, what's it look like and how's the journey? Mm. And how's it feel like for somebody when you walk in and when I go into the bathroom? I want the bathrooms to be nicer than home, so I'm like, feel good, it's yeah. clean, it's got to be clean, it's got to be tight, it's got to be welcoming. And you mentioned to me once, you know, what people are looking at when they're training or what they don't like to be looked at yeah. in certain <laughs> areas and things like that. It's the way you set up the gym is really all sensitive. You know what he's talking about. So <laughs> why I've got the treadmills because a lot of ladies at Marucci Door they love it. They can watch the dudes training and yeah. So you got all these guys. that, oh, we get a free shot watching yeah, guys train. Yeah. And then guys are girls. And then the, the if I see a girl and she's a really attractive girl, and I'm training. I'm lifting five percent stronger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm lifting anything. There's a hot chick. I'm lifting. I'm lifting the gym. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's that's super fascinating because yeah. you've obviously gone through and you've taken a real deep dive into the psychology 
behind everyone that walks through the gym to yeah. see what would this person really like to see or feel and what would this person really like to see or feel. That's that's taking I'll tell you a funny one. I'll tell you a funny that's one. taken another level. Even walking into the ladies' bathrooms, the, the girls didn't want you to be able to see their shoes. So when they're sitting on the toilet, so no, when you walk yeah. in, the shoe, you can't see the ladies' shoes because you're walking looking straight unless you're sticking your head under. Mm -hmm. But when you're walking on, because other gyms we've had the the, the um, toilets down the back, so as soon as you're walking, you can see someone's shoes and you know on the toilet. Yeah. So girls don't want you to know they're on the toilet. Wow, oh, wow. that is right. that is like that. Makes a lot of sense, but no, I've never heard of anyone even bring that up before. So that's like, mm. that's like, that's the, that's the insurance policy. That's the icing on the cake. That's like, the, that's <laughs> well, like, that's, that's again, when we talked about balance and alignment, that's my partner, Grace, come up and going, oh, can we make it next time? So girls don't really lie on, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, great idea. And then going, how do we put that in? And then constantly, you want to be getting constant feedback. Yeah. Like, what can we do better? Because yeah. I think when you think you're the best, mm. someone's going to overtake you and you think, what can we do better? Yeah. Uh, sports, get yeah. constructive feedback. Yeah. What's our supplement like? Is it good? Yeah. Can we do, is it better flavoring? Yeah. Um, how's it said? I mean, you would know that anyway. That's yeah. 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 That's then. That's well, I don't even, I, I don't even involve myself in taste testing because I'm just too biased and I'm not even a customer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm just sitting there going, I'd need to give it to other people. Yeah, you do. your feedback. Yeah. I don't, yeah. don't yeah. listen to me. Yeah. yeah. Get it out. To yeah. and pair it up against who's best in the business. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, um, in terms of like people that come through the door, let's just in touch on supplements, people that walk through the door, do you guys get asked a lot about, hey, what should I be, I'm going to join the gym, but what should I be taking in terms of supplement? Or do they usually ask you about nutrition or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. It's generally, um, but we, we're heavily on getting people's results because mm -hmm. we know when people come and they get a result, they'll keep coming. We jump in the mirror and they go, oh, look, I'm leaner, I feel better. And then their friend sees me, oh, what are you doing? Or generally it's the lady joins and then the partner goes, oh, you've lost. Then they, they come in after. So mm. it's a cascading effect which works. So yeah. we systematically book them in for supplement stuff anyway because we know it's a 60-40. And you can never get the 60-40 right anyway. So yeah. if we get part of it right yeah. and we get them moving and we get them to look at their diet, and I don't think they have to take supplements. I think they can supplement, supplement obviously a supplement, supplement bad food exactly. choices yeah. or... Um, but that works, works really well. It's great. Well, that's what we talk about a lot. It's like, guys, get 98, 99% of this should be coming from your food, your diet. Make sure that's in check. That's yeah. part of your lifestyle. And then, you know, the that that little bit of extra, you know, you're pushing your body and you're wanting, you know, extraordinary things out of your body. That's how I like to explain it is I want to push myself a little bit beyond what I was doing before. I want to give myself the best nutritional profile I possibly can. And But then I also want to be, if I'm going to be in, on the go and busy and flat stick all the time. When I do take a supplement because it is going to be faster, it's more convenient, I want to get more work done today, you want to be taking something that is going to give you a little bit more life force rather than take it away. I don't want something that's going to give me some falsified energy here or some falsified feeling that's actually yeah. not real, which is what I think Matt does very well. Well, supplementation has changed so much over the last few decades because we used to have a thing where dietary supplements were for an inadequate diet, to supplement for those vitamins that were missing because those foods were not available or those foods were totally devoid of that nutrient. Mm. But now we've got like food fortification, we've got multivitamin stuff everywhere. We've got more problem with the vitamin paradox with people overdosing vitamins than actually not taking enough. Mm. And so, But what has changed significantly is our food processing, farming, and all that sort of techniques. So where we might have vitamins in our foods, in our frozen foods are full of vitamins, we're losing the freshness from the, the polyphenols, these other compounds that would normally add the astringency to the food. You know how like we used to have the apples that you drink an apple, if you have a water after it, your mouth it's so dry, it was weird, or the, the grapes would be full of seeds and they'd mm. have that astringency. We'd have seeds in food, even, you know, and thicker skins and that sort of stuff. Our food has changed so much that what we need to focus on supplementing is plant-based polyphenols that are devoid in um, old food that's not fresh or highly processed food and not fall for the trap of um, fibre and that being the biggest deficiency because it's the, the phytonutrients in the fibre that we need with it. So there's so many... The supplementation has changed. So now... It's almost impossible to eat fresh, local, in season, you know, especially if you go into the grocery store. So yeah. things have changed a lot. Um, and so, yeah, it's a good idea that we don't go just pushing everyone onto a standard multi. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So for, moving on from here, like what is um, just for your like your personal routine, like does uh, what type of training are you doing at the moment? What's firing you up the most? <laughs> Uh, yes. Getting elbowed in the head at Moitai, yeah. I'm a big fella. So um, <laughs> 4, 4.15, 4.30 a.m. is my normal wake-up time because cool. I like to get 
a lot out of my day. Um, weight training, a bit of boxing twice a week, uh, Muay Thai twice a week, um, and six six days of training, and one day of cardio, Sweet. which is a run. I started running in Thailand, actually. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just ran. And I went, oh, one day I went, I thought I was just going to do a kilometre. I didn't know I did the one, did yeah, one yeah. thing, and I did one kilometre, and I went, oh, that's a, it was a New Year's Day. So I was running out and drunk. Russian Santa was there with all these ho, Thailand hoes, and I'm like, running home, going, it was hilarious. And I was like, on your Santa, and I'm jogging away. Thinking I'm Goggins, but anyway, I'm, I went one kilometer, and then I was like, jog back, and I went, oh, that was three kilometers. Yeah. And so I, I posted on Instagram because I like I was pretty pretty proud. I did on Strava and checked, and the next day I went, and then I did four, and someone said, oh, my goal is to get under thirty in uh, to do five kilometers in under thirty. When I did the five, I did that in twenty three minutes. Because I was like, good. I was like, that's good. It. That's good for yeah, a first my, crack. I tore my calf. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Yeah, it was like overrunning. Because oh, like, no. I, I overdid. I've got this thing yeah. of like, and you can do that too. You get into something you like, the dopamine kicks in. Oh, yeah. You want more. You, you want more and you keep pushing. You'd know better than anyone. It's, um, yeah. But yeah, so no like cardio. I mean, I'll try to balance the cardio and the weights. Yeah. And like you said too, the supplementation and the diet and the habits of, of, of good eating. I mean, I, I think of myself as a, as a high performance vehicle. Yeah. And a high-performance vehicle has to have the high-performance everything. Yeah. The tires, yeah. it's got to have everything. The tires, the computer, that's the reading, audio books, anything you can possibly do for that 1%. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. that's how I think mm -hmm. anyway. That's good. And I think that, yeah, that speaks to me very, very much as well. I think if you want to get the most out of your day, if this is not, if this is not well, everything else is suffering to a degree. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the we talk about sleep a lot. So... It's like, yes, you can get up and you can get through the day on five hours sleep, but they did, probably the guy that did the, probably the deepest study on sleep, I think Joe Rogan asked him the question, he said, how many people in your trial could function uh, as well as, you know, what's the minimum requirement? And he goes, look, at the end of the day, we did a trial with about 100 people and we had them all sleep for six hours, we woke them up and then we put them through a range of tests and out of those range of tests to get to get through the test, they had to answer all these questions. Zero people, zero people were unaffected. Zero people were unaffected by a lack of sleep. So mm. nobody could actually function at an optimal level on six hours sleep, even though they said that they were great during yeah. the day. So it's just like far out. Yes, you probably can get through the day and get some stuff done, yeah. but how much is it affecting you? And if you do want to run optimally for 14 hours straight, you probably need a little bit more than that. So we want to make sure that everything is optimized as a foundation layer. And if this isn't well, everything else is going to be maybe getting done, but how good? We want it to be done really freaking well. Yeah, I, I, I agree and disagree. I agree I agree with the study, but I think there's also times, the part of not, not so much disagreeing is that you'll have times when you can there's so much on you've just got to agree like yeah i mean yeah, building sure the company and what i was doing there yeah. was just there was no one else to do it yeah. like you guys yeah, yeah. yeah. so that means yeah. i'm wearing all the hats and i'm calling people and oh, i'm trying yeah. to do that and i'm on flights and so it was like there was no other choice yeah. so i think that if you've got no other choice then you make that decision yeah. because then i get all the work done i might yeah. not be as effective yeah and, I, I'm, and you're right about the not optimal because i'll be there not realizing and in fact I've, i have that's why i'm looking at now going which is now me agreeing, yeah. is that now I'm looking at, I've got a, bil a billionaire coach and he's, um, he's, we're all about, that's why I've got the whoop watch and I'm tracking my sleep efficiency and then trying to look at, uh, instead of me working 14 hours all the time, I'm going to reduce my work time down to be more effective like sprints mm -hmm. and then do each 90 days now I'm going on holidays. Yeah. And my sons get to pick wherever we go, they yeah. get to choose the holiday. It's like 90 days holiday, 90 days holiday. Yeah. holiday. It wasn't like this before though, like it was like grind. Yeah. Now, did you book that in, hey? So, so you're scheduling the whole training. So you book in everything's your, in my calendar. So yeah, your calendar has your training in. You put your holiday. You allocate the time for all that. Like you make sure that it's part of Maddie, your Grace, Grace, my partner, even put have sex, have sex you know, in the calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's what there's length of time. she whack it in for like an hour, a chunk or something like that? Well, I think she, she put just, fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah that's that's minutes. good. Yeah, a couple. No, of but yeah, realistically, everything's in my diary. Like it's not if you put a hard fast. Like when I open a gym. Yeah, it takes us six, 16 weeks of a bit of marketing and 12 weeks to open. Yeah, and every single thing is scheduled. Like if it moves, it moves. Yeah, but if you don't have a deadline, if you've got a, a CrossFit Games on this date, mm. you're gonna tr you know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you've done enough times when you do a product launch, this is what it looks like, and that's what life is. Yeah, if we've got this on, then you just, everything else is gonna just slot around. Yeah, I, that Will Ahmed. So I did an interview with Will Ahmed, the founder of the Whoop. Mm -hmm. 
and we're talking to him about the data that he collected yeah and it, the two really interesting things that he found yeah, I know. It's cool. I could never put mine on because I knew I couldn't commit to these couple of things that he said is going to give me real bad readings. So <laughs> I've got to clean my shit up before this thing calls me out on it every day. It's like, but, a, it's like someone saying, I've got to get fit to go to the gym, put your watch on that. And yeah, I've got to go and fire me up. So we got so basically two things he said was lack of sleep, just straight up was a killer, and alcohol was the worst. Um, and he found that most athletes, he found that they're so wired after their games that this, even the ones that don't go out drinking, they stay awake till like five in the morning, mm. playing like Xbox and FIFA and shit. They're not switching off. Yeah, and he said, so that, off switch and that, and he says, alcohol with lack of sleep, he says that a lot of the athletes compete on a Saturday. They are not showing up on their watch until Thursday that they are recovered and yeah. ready to go. And then they'll get like one training session in and do it again. And he said, so then when they can show that data and actually show the importance of sleep, mm. get those people in, so at least they're back to recovery by Monday, Tuesday. That yeah. alcohol stuff too. That's what I that that anxiety, stress, yeah. legal stuff. That's when that's what I started thinking. And then what it led to is when you start having what you thought was a panic attack. Mm. You go, I'll, I'll just have a glass of red wine. It'll make me feel comfortable because it's yeah. so depressing. And I'm a high energy person, yeah. so I'm like. It's it's a depressant. Like, yeah. why would you want to depress yourself mm. and lower yourself? I mean, no, I mean, a survival response, a panic attack, or any of those things is actually giving you everything you need mm. to deal with the stress. Yeah. Like that's the point of it. It's not a weakness. A weak person wouldn't have a response. Yeah, you know. True. So having a stress response is actually your body saying, "Hey, look, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm going to give you every resource that you actually need to survive." Do you know how I fixed it? Yeah. It was, I, and it was strange. I started doing the Wim Hof breathing because that's yeah. what my coach said. Yeah. He said, why don't you start doing the Wim Hof breathing? And I started mm-hmm. doing it. And I thought I could hold my breath for four minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. And I, was, I, I, was, I thought I was dying. I'm watching these things in the air. Yeah. Like, then I was watching my heart rate. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me at all. I did. Yeah. I got checked by the doctor and my doctor laughed. He said, perfectly healthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't worry. Well, I went and saw Ken thing. Ware. So when I was going through mine, I went and saw my mate Ken Ware. And he knows I'm mental. Um, and I so, know you, man. yeah, yeah. So we all he are. taught me these tricks, and he says, "Look, man, you need to get out of the defensive posture because when you've got this memories going on, you've got this angst, and you've got this aggression, and that sort of stuff. And then you also have a posture like you're about to punch someone and run or something." He says, "You need to get out of that." And so the tricks that he taught me, and I use it all the time. So whenever I'm feeling it, I put, first thing I do is push my heels into the ground. Yeah. Because if you're about to run or attack, you're up on the balls of your feet. You don't ever attack from sitting back like that. And as you put your heels back like that, your center of gravity falls back. And as you do that, your traps drop. And then all of a sudden the frown goes, and all of a sudden you're not leaning forward, you're not doing this like you're about to attack. And then all of a sudden you might have this stuff going on, but then your nervous system's going, now hang on, he's got this trail of memories, he's got this stuff going on, he's got this angst and aggression, but man, this guy's so chill and calm, obviously it's not happening right now. And it would totally break the cycle. Also, probably just getting out of my head yeah. and thinking about my heels and then thinking about this and then think, yeah. and I'd even do this. But the cool thing is you'd be in a meeting with these people that might be trying to intimidate you through threats and stuff like that. Then you're like sitting there a bit anxious. All of a sudden, you're just like, and they go, man, this guy's chill. He's zen. Like, he's like a fucking ninja. Daddy <laughs> <laughs> the ninja. You can just picture it out. Oh, yeah. Agile. Like a, They're probably sitting there going, what the fuck's going with this dude? Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the, 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 the breath technique is so fascinating and it's something that I've incorporated as well and it makes a huge difference. Anyone that is feeling stressed or they can't down-regulate, they're too heightened, that, you know, just a handful of nose breaths in and out at a nice, relaxed, constant pace, a bit of holding as well. So yeah. even box breathing to a degree and, you know, increase box breathing, yeah. you sound like you could do four and a half minutes of breath hold, you'd be able to increase that box breathing method and kind of like what Wim Hof teaches, some of that stuff will just take you from if someone pulls out and cuts you off in traffic yeah and you get stressed or you get angry or frustrated immediately yeah. yeah do like two or three cycles of some nasal breathing and you'll be a different person and immediately even, even like because some people like me you know you get caught up into these stress responses and i feel the need to kind of talk you know when you talked about that empty that that awkward silence so you can just sit back and he who speaks next loses yeah. sort of yeah. So I was always that person. I've, I've struggled to say no to things. Like always, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do that. So another trick I did is I actually started just twiddling my thumb. And I did this rule, like if I can get three thumb twiddles around without touching my thumbs before I answer. And I do this thing where people don't see, but it's just give me enough pause to actually not just immediately go, yes. Mm. It's like typical. It must be an Aussie thing because we usually go, yeah, nah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the yes side of things, particularly for business as well, this is something that I've, um, a lot of people do. If you say yes sometimes to something, what are you saying no to? Yeah. Like if I say yes to, I don't know, hanging out, going to partying, then what am I saying no to? Yeah. Like, okay, and then the same thing. What am I saying no to that probably should be in the yes column? Mm. And then so, if you own your mission and you're happy enough with what you're doing, you don't have the FOMO and that sort of stuff anyway. You realise you can't have everything. Well, mine's, mine's yeah. putting an executive assistant on. I'm saying no to that. And I'm like, why? Mm. And yeah. that would save me a lot of work, save me time. And it's not like I can't afford it. It's just the fact that I'm like, well, I kind of did, couldn't afford it. And now I'm in a position when I can, it's like, oh, well, all this, a lot of things that I shouldn't, should like be wasting time doing, I could just pass on to someone. Mm. By me saying no to putting her on, that means I'm saying yes to doing all the things that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Then I'm saying no to working on a, another business that could bring in millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's a cycle. So when you go, okay, if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? Mm. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. I'm going to mm. take that away. I'm going to be thinking about that. Your make your list. Make yeah. your list. Yes and no's. Yeah. And go all the things you say yes to and then things you're saying no to. Mm. Because you, you probably should be saying yes to doing your calls. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. Um, and you probably are. I'm just saying, but yes yeah. to calling um, clients and bringing up that things, then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you, and you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's super fascinating. Now, I'm I'm going to take so much away from oh, this chat. <laughs> well, I didn't I realize how mental I was until we started talking again. I think oh, we're all mental. We're <laughs> yeah, all mental yeah, it's a degree. degree. We're on a degree. There's always a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think we're all in there somewhere. Like, um, I think half the stuff that we do. I is... thought I was on the artistic spectrum, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, we probably are. You know, Steve Jobs talks about like the insanity is like owning a business mm. because you're not getting paid, mm. you're doing all this extra work. Sometimes your boss is a dickhead and he's moody, mm. or he or she, and then you, there's no guarantee you're actually going to have that job. Yeah. Want to, oh, that sounds good. Put that on job description. See how many people apply. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, welcome to the job. You might not work, but you're going to work for free. Yeah. And you know, most people that are here don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, like, but yeah, that's what Steve Jobs oh. talks about. But then that that's on the other side of you're talking about. Um, um, the toolkit and the resilience and stuff like that. That's the same principle of turning up and chopping wood and doing mm. the pressing and what you can handle. Mm. The amount of yeah. handle, what you can handle when yeah. you're doing the boring, shitty jobs that you have to do mm. and then working out the ones that you don't have to do and passing them on to somebody else. Yeah. That's got yeah. a better skill set. Yeah, that's yeah, super fascinating. And I think all of this kind of, this crosses over into so many different realms outside of business that it's just like, oh, these are some lessons that, you know, you wish you'd either known 10 years ago, you're like, mm. out, I wish I knew that back then, I would have made such a better decision, I'd be in a completely different situation, but it's never perfect, right? Everything no. has to go through ebbs and flows, and I think if you hang around with the right people, you're gonna pick these things up more. Yeah. Like I notice even just moving from Adelaide to the Gold Coast, I've met a bunch of cool people that are just wanna see you just win, and yeah. they wanna get behind you, and it's like, far out, should've moved here 10 years ago, but I needed to go through where I was then at that time to do those things, to learn this, to learn that, to then now be here and, and be feeling like shit. Everyone just wants to see you just succeed. Yeah. That's great. It's yeah, freaking cool. So for Fitness Cartel, what's next? What's next for you guys? Where, oh, like what's what's like in the next six months, what does it look like for you, Plastic? We've got we've got potentially three more clubs or four four opening this year. We've got three leases that are done. So um we're going into the wellness, health wellness, um, when I say wellness, we're still building our clubs. Mm -hmm. We're going to build the 30 lows, but then we're going to recovery. Yeah, recovery, ice baths, magnesium. Oh, sign me up. Oh, sign me up. The, I saw the thing yeah. and I went to there recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. got a version in between that and another one we're doing, which is a boutique out style bathroom, but that with the whole place. Oh, I got the stuff Dude, for you too. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, cool. This yeah. is tied in so much stuff, actually. Because oh, no. we were just like, because we had a, we went, Maddie and I went yesterday and yeah. um, we we're just like, you know what, let's have our meeting soaking in a bath. Yeah. And so yeah. we did and it was great. We actually got so much stuff done. Yeah. And it's like, we should do this on a regular basis. Maybe we do this once a fortnight or something like yeah. that. But it'd be yeah. a place to go to do some stuff that's passive, yeah. good for you, down regulates you, puts you in an environment that's not chaos and stress, sitting in a cafe trying yeah. to have a conversation where you can't hear each other, you're getting constantly interrupted. But we can go into a chill setting where you can sit, relax, do something passive, soak up some magnesium, recover, you, you recover at the mm. same time, and also have a, a flowing conversation. Yeah, that's discarding. I will we're, we're oh, go yeah, down for it. We'll be there. Man. We'll be your first yeah. customers. Yeah, well, that makes sense for us to build them. Mm. We've already got the infrastructure, and it's. I mean, we've got people to come in and push themselves and drive themselves. Maybe we should push them into 
because I thought Brady's reformer was recovery until I tried. I'm like, it's, it's tough. I was going, oh, I'll jump in and relax. And I'm like, I've seen the girls, and they're like, yeah, that's not. Well, we, <laughs> we, we coined that. It's like we have the, you got out here where you're, you know, in your fight or flight. That's our working out. And then, yeah. you know, you go to recovery and you're working in. Yeah, and then we got survival and thrival. Yeah. We made up that word because like it rhymes with survival yeah, better than in. thrive. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a matter of finding that in amongst all of the imbalance that you get with business and relationships and training there is a way that you can you make sure that bucket does not overflow because then you get stuck in that mm. anxiety cycle and if that bucket's overflowing you do not have any cool mechanisms or strategies to overcome that you'll just be in this whirlwind spiral of yeah. shit that so you just can't deal with great analogy because i mean most people out there they're either in a stage of an overflowing bucket mm. you know overflowing with like sympathetic nervous system anxiety stress worry that sort of stuff or they're empty yeah yeah very few people are actually so one of the modalities with natural medicine um ayurvedic chinese medicine, all of them the goal around this thing is to build you a bigger bucket mm. so you can hold a lot more before you're overflowing and you don't go as empty as often you know it's so fascinating cool, cool man excellent well guys i think we're going to wrap it up there you've probably got a million and one things to think about now but we just wanted to say thanks to nathan for jumping on the fiber performance podcast and we're going to go from here and we're going to do some taste testing you so we'll see you guys next time enjoy and uh if you do get uh, a chance where can um uh make sure you get down and you actually get to experience the bathrooms and fitness cartel because they're freaking wild but um if any of these guys want to find you or follow you or follow your stuff youtube instagram can they find you anywhere there or insta's the best uh, nathan james fitness cartel Rock and roll. Word. that's yep. me awesome thanks guys see you next time Yoo-hoo.